Tune your ear to wisdom. Cry aloud for understanding. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Project Philippians, a deep dive into one of the richest treasure mines in Scripture. I'm delighted to have you join me today for another excavation into an amazing 2,000-year-old book. Hey man, it's great to have you back, really. It's so fun to be able to go through this amazing book with you, studying this amazing fella, Paul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. And uh, in the last few episodes, several episodes actually, we've been just tracking through these introductory words where Paul has just gone on and on, just gushing with emotion and passion just expressing with all he has, the love and affection he has for the Philippians, how incredibly connected to them he feels in his heart and in his mind and his soul. And the question that comes to mind is, where does that love lead him? What does that love lead him to do next? And of course, in verse 9, we discover the answer to that question. He says, this is my prayer. His love leads him to prayer. And for us to really be able to unpack the meaning of that, we're going to need to pray ourselves. So let's do that right now. Lord God Almighty, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're so grateful that you sent us this book. Thank you that we get to study it, that we get to comb it for all it's worth. Thank you that it is worth so much more than we can imagine. But Lord God, we need your spirit to open our eyes to see the truth behind the words of these pages. Lord God, we ask that you would open our eyes so that we would see you better, that we would understand what it means to love, what it means to pray. So Lord God, visit with us today, we pray. And we thank you for this privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. It's amazing to me when you think about it, what a central part of Paul's life prayer has. For Paul, prayer was absolutely critical, central, and essential to everything he did. It was the center part of his entire ministry, his entire life. We got a sense of that earlier in this chapter, in verse 3, when he says, I thank my God Every time I remember you, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. He says he always prays with joy. Paul clearly enjoys praying. He just enjoys it. Do you? I really think that it's one of the greatest indicators of where we're at spiritually is how much joy we get from praying to our Lord. But for Paul, you see, it wasn't just the joy that he got from prayer. He saw it as critically important ingredient in his life, and he did it all the time. Now, this might actually might come as a surprise to you if you haven't studied this before. But for Paul, prayer was a central part of his entire ministry. I'd like to take you on a really quick tour for just a couple of minutes of other places in other books by Paul where he talks about his prayer life and he talks about how he's praying for people. For example, in Romans, 
chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, he's talking to the, the Roman church, and he says, God, whom I serve, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. He says, God can testify that I am constantly remembering you in my prayers at all times. What an extraordinary statement. He says a similar thing to the Ephesians in chapter 1, 15 and 16. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith and your love, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And he doesn't do it just by himself either. In Colossians, he says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. So he has other brothers with him who's praying with him. He's got a a prayer team that he's praying with, and he's interceding for these people in these churches. First Thessalonians 1, 2, he says, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Second Thessalonians 1, 11, he says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you. So there's all these churches that he has been ministering to, that he, he taught them, he nourished them, he discipled them, and now they are still on his mind at all times. And he's not just thinking about them, he's praying for them. This is such an important value in his life. And it's not just for the churches. He says it to Timothy too. In 2 Timothy 1.3, he says, I thank God as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Night and day. Are you getting the heat of this, the passion, the intensity of Paul's desire to pray for people? I don't know. Have you ever have you ever had the privilege of having somebody pray for you like that? I have this memory of my grandma. While I was in college, she was in her 90s and in her hundreds. <laughs> and she would write letters to me uh, almost weekly. And um, they were just precious letters. Just they were usually pretty short. I can still picture her, her, you know, scratchy handwriting. And to be honest, I don't really remember too much of what she said in those letters. But what I do remember is how she would sign off every letter. She would say, "Praying for you daily, Grandma." That was such an encouragement to me. And in fact, in the later years, she would even say. Praying for you two times every day, Grandma. You know, and I can tell you that those years, those college years, were some of the most significant spiritual milestones in my life. And I attribute so much of that to the faithful prayers of a grandma who is praying for me night and day. It's such a treasure. And that was the, what Paul did. That That is how Paul prayed for people. He loved them. You know, from the very beginning of this series, I told you that one of my main objectives in studying this book is that I want to become more like Paul. I just, I just believe that he was a man of God that is worthy to emulate. And I, I want to become more like him. Well, my friend, if you want to be more like Paul, then you have to learn how to be a prayer warrior, an intercessor, a man or woman who is willing to go to the mat in prayer. Now, I'll tell you that one of the things that is most striking to me about Paul's prayers is who he's praying for. I'll just I'll just be honest. I, I am a prayer. I love to pray. I really actually do. I pray all the time, all day long. I'm not bragging. That's just something it's it's easy for me because I love to do it. I really enjoy praying. But I will be perfectly honest with you. 
most of my prayers, the vast majority of my prayers are about me. They're about my needs, my wants, my obstacles, my goals, my dreams, my vision. They're selfish prayers. And I'm not proud of that. That's why I want to become more like Paul, because clearly his prayers were about those people that he loved. He was pouring out prayers on behalf of those around him, on behalf of those whose lives he had already impacted, and he wanted to impact them more by praying for them, by bringing them before the king. So that's what we're going to look at today. One of the greatest treasures in Paul's writings is that he doesn't just tell us about his prayers. He actually tells us what he is praying for. And that's the question I have. What exactly did Paul pray? Wouldn't you just love to be able to climb into his prayer closet and listen to him as he was praying? Well, we actually get the opportunity to do just that because he tells us what he prays. And in verse 9, Philippians 1, uh, we get one sample of that prayer. And we're going we're gonna to listen to that now. So Philippians 1, 9, he says, and this is my prayer. So in verse 3, he says, I pray for you all the time. Now I'm going to tell you, this is what I pray for, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ filled with a fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That is Paul's prayer. That's the type of prayer he prays. You know, what strikes me about that prayer, one of the things, is that he is not praying a shallow prayer. He's not praying about their physical comfort or about their health. He is praying about deep spiritual growth in their lives, about their character, about their relationship to God. Those are the things that Paul brings to his knees. You know, I really want to encourage you to start emulating Paul in this area of his spiritual life. Look up these prayers. Learn from them. Study them. Memorize them. Learn how to wield them like spiritual weapons on behalf of those you love. I encourage you to pray these prayers over your marriage, over your children, over your small group and your church. Put their names in these prayers as you pray for them. Make these prayers your battlefield, and you will see transformations like you've never imagined before. You will learn how to truly intercede for people, because Paul was a master of it. You know, these three verses are just filled with so many gems. This this short prayer is just packed with just powerful insights of what it means to pray and how to pray and what to pray for. And it's going to take us more than one episode just to get through them. In fact, what I want to do today is just study the very first phrase of this prayer, where Paul reveals what I believe is the most important character quality that we can seek for in our own lives and pray for in our loved ones. And it's this. He says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. Paul wants more than anything for the Philippians and for us that our love would grow. Now, note that he doesn't say, I pray that you would have love, because quite honestly, he knew that they had love. He just spent the last eight verses just extolling them for how loving they have been to him and how grateful he is for their love. But he says to them, I want your love to grow even more. He said, your love is great, but it's not where it needs to be yet. 
I want it to abound even more. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself here because before we can talk about how love grows, we need to talk about what this love is. What what kind of love is he talking about? I'm sure most of you are familiar with the Greek word for love, which is agape. It's a word that's used to describe God's love for us or the type of love that Christ displayed on the cross. It is a self-sacrificial love that doesn't expect anything in return. It's just servant-hearted, giving of itself, compassionate love. And this, to Paul, this love is the glowing core of Christianity. It's the beating heart that gives power and beauty to the rest of our spiritual life. To Paul, love is central. I mean, you shouldn't be surprised at this. After all, Paul is the guy who wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Remember the one that's called the love chapter? The one that's been read in nearly every wedding in the history of Western civilization? He was a man who knew about love, and it burned in his heart. When he talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, I'm sure you're familiar with that list of character qualities. Well, if you look closely, you'll notice that the word fruit is singular, which seems to indicate that he's saying that the fruit of the Spirit is love, period. And then it's it's expressed and manifested in all these other glorious ways like joy and peace and patience and kindness. But the fruit of the Spirit, the character and heartbeat of the Spirit is love, which shouldn't surprise us because as John says, God is love. And those who love are born of God, but those who do not love do not know God. They don't understand that love is the essence of who God is. It is the driving passion that motivates all that he does. And Paul says, I want that type of love, the fruit of the Spirit of God in you. Now, it's interesting to note that Paul doesn't give us the object of the love in this verse. When he says, I pray that your love would grow, he doesn't tell us, well, love for who? Is it love for God, love for our neighbors, love for our family, our enemies? Well, the fact that he doesn't give us the object leads me to believe that he is got all of that in mind. He is talking about a love that just defines us. It's not about who we love. It's about our character, that we are simply people who love. We are people who give. We are people who are sacrificially devoted to all who we come in in contact with. In Ephesians chapter 5, one of my favorite life verses, he says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering. So just as Christ, whose life was a fragrant offering of love, he wants us to imitate God. Because we've been loved, he wants us to live a life of love. But notice more in this verse in Philippians that he doesn't just want us to have this love. He wants it to be growing. You see, you might think of yourself as a fairly loving person. Perhaps you you, um, have some good friends and you love them very dearly. But Paul is saying, just because you're loving doesn't mean you're loving enough yet. I want it to abound more and more. 
And of course, Paul knew that the Philippians were loving. He just spent the last eight verses extolling them for how much they loved him and how grateful he was for their love for him from the first day until now. He remembers all the way back to the day when he first met Lydia. And the, no sooner was she saved than she invited these total strangers into her home to stay with her. And the Philippian jailer, the moment that he was saved, this man who hours earlier had been shackling these wounded, scarred wrists, he was now bathing those same wounds in a basin in his dining room. These people who loved him from the first day until now, he knew that they were people of love, but he says, I want something more for you. I want this love to abound more and more. The word abound in the Greek is the word parasue, and it's one of Paul's favorite words. He loves to use this word to describe the overflowing abundance of the Christian life, the things that just abound in our lives. I love that this word is the same word used in the Gospels when it's describing the leftover crumbs of bread that were remained behind after Jesus had multiplied the loaves and the fishes. It's as if they're saying that he made so much food for the people that day that the bread was abounding. There were leftovers is how it's translated. So abounding love is love that is so great that there's more than enough. There's leftovers. It just can't be held in a container because it just has to pour out its overflowing love. But you know, Paul doesn't just stop there. I mean, he could just say, I pray that your love would abound and that would, that would be enough. But he says, I pray that your love would abound more. In fact, that would be enough if he said that, but he goes even farther. He says, I pray that your love would abound more and more. In the Greek, in fact, he puts another word in there that says, I pray that your love would abound still more and more. He's using what I call extravagant vocabulary to go over the top, to express beyond and beyond. I want your love to grow, to abound still more and more. I want your love to explode. I want you to be people whose love doesn't just stay static, doesn't just love the people that are easy to love, the people around you, the people that are like you. I want your love to grow beyond those boundaries, grow beyond the borders of your church, beyond the borders of your city, beyond the borders of your country. I want your love to just keep growing and expanding and pushing out into this world because that's what God's love is doing. I pray that your love would abound more and more. Now, what's striking about this verse is that if, if we're going to be honest, what he's asking for is, is impossible. I mean, it's just, well, it would take a miracle for my love to grow like that, which is why it's so cool that he isn't just commanding it. He is praying for it. He's dreaming of it in the, on his knees with God. He's saying, Oh God, I want these people to be more like you to be more like the Lord Jesus. I want them to be filled with an overflowing love. And so he's praying for the miraculous in our lives. He's asking a big, big thing from God, that He would, that God would transform our selfish, self-centered hearts into hearts that are like God's, that we would live lives of love. I love listening to Paul pray, don't you? Just so invigorating and exhilarating to hear this man as he's on his knees with his loved ones in his heart and mind, speaking to his heavenly father and asking for the miraculous. 
you know, I had a hard time coming up with a title for this episode. It's silly, I know, but I wanted to capture, encapsulate this idea of Paul's prayers and what he was praying for and why he was praying. And then it, it came to me, prayer is love. You see, I mean, it's because of his love for them, his intense love for the Philippians, that he is on his knees day and night praying for them. And what is he praying for? It's that their love would grow in the same way. And my friend, I just want you to know, even though I may not know your name right now, I am praying for you. And it is my earnest and genuine prayer that your love would grow, that you would become a man or woman of prayer and of love. And a prayer that is love and prayer for love. There's nothing that your spouse or your children or your church needs more than for you to become a man or woman who prays for their love to grow. So let me do that right now. Lord Jesus, you demonstrated for us what love is. You demonstrated for us what intercession is. You say that you intercede for us even now, praying for us to become more loving. And as we become more loving, we will become more prayerful. And we will pray for more love. And this circle of prayer and love will become a beautiful representation of the majesty and glory of God Almighty. And that's what we're asking for. We're asking for this miracle that you would transform us from self-focused people to people who love and people who pray. God, do this in our hearts. Thank you for the seed that you've planted let it grow, Lord. Let it grow to become a mighty oak tree. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been an honor to have you spend this time with me, but don't let it end here. May the words of God continue to resonate in your heart transform your life until the day you meet our glorious King and Savior face to face.